Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hit and Hustle from irishsportsdaily.com. I am your host, Greg Long, and with me, as always, is Jamie Uyama, Mr. Jamie University, with his professional microphone. It is going to work today. We have troubleshooted. Uh, we think it's going to work today. So um, we're, we're just going to give it a go. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. It is Thursday, May 25th. Today it is May 25th. And we're we're going to do a vibe check, Jamie. I, I, I told you before the show, I feel a little off. I feel like things aren't uh, the way that you want them to feel right now in, in all aspects, really. Um, and I don't know why. And we were kind of kicking around, you know, some ideas before the show, like maybe I shouldn't feel this way. And so we'll we'll talk about that. So we'll look at recruiting. We'll look at uh, the program at large. We'll look at all those things. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about. Thank you, everyone, for joining the show. Uh, if this is your first time uh, listening to our program, please hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. And, uh, and let people know, hit the notification bell uh, so you know when we're going live. If you want to catch us on just audio format, our podcast links are below in the description. And so you can check us out there. Uh, Joe Bro, before the show starts, the standard is the standard, right? And so that's that's what we're going to talk about uh, on, on the show today. Um, but you know where the vibes are, are completely immaculate, Jamie? At esqclothing.com, where the vibes are always yeah, exactly they, they are they're they're always you're always feeling good when you're wearing esq ga uh, ga wang's esq bamboo shirt your your dress shirt the nicest dress shirt you'll ever wear uh, you'll never have any complaints about it has stretch wrinkle resistant odor resistant feels good feels smooth light airy. Always feels good on the body. So check out esqclothing.com. Marcus Freeman's wearing it all over the country. Uh, and he's and uh, we all know his his uh, his vibes out and about are always where you want them to be. So check out esqclothing.com. Upgrade your shirt game ahead of the season. And um, all right, before Jamie, before we get started, what is the worst uh, Notre Dame loss that you remember taking in? Just like you were afterwards, you were so mad, a lot. upset. Just, just it, what's the top of your head? Top, top of mind. Uh, man, I gotta say, two top of mind. Uh, 2011 Michigan. Yes. God, that was a bad one. Uh, and 2014 Florida State. Oh, 2014 Florida State. So that was, um, that was a day you after. felt they, uh, you felt that. Notre Dame had won. Yeah. So and my daughter, my our first child, away. our first child was born the the day before. And it was like a whole thing because she had to go to the NICU for uh some minor complications. And so we were going back and forth. We were on like no sleep that day. And I thought when when Golson hit uh Robinson in the corner and the way they were gonna win the game for a second there, I thought she was like the divine child, like bringing greatness onto Notre Dame football. Um, and then a second later, um, it was taken away by the cheating referees who didn't know what they were calling and they didn't know who it was on. And then they tried to, they tried to reconfigure it afterwards. Like some people said it was on pro size. Some people said it was on fuller. Some people said, well, it doesn't even matter because we've decided that it's going to be a penalty. And that was, uh, that was unfortunate, Jamie. And I will go to my grave saying it was not a penalty and Notre Dame was cheated in on the play and i and i count 2014 florida state as a win um but you brought up 2011 uh michigan and i put out on twitter yesterday i i've told this story uh a few different times 
on a few different uh, platforms. But that is the worst for me because I was at, we are at a game watch for my wife's new job. She had just moved to Los Angeles. Uh, we started dating. She lived in New York. Uh, she was in the process of coming back to Los Angeles. She had just started a new job. There was a, a, a friends of ours or a coworker of hers. They are um, Notre Dame fans. Uh, the wife, she went to Notre Dame with my wife. And so they were at Notre Dame at the same time. It's like, oh, come to a game watch. There's like 20 people there. Never met them before ever, right? So it was just first time meeting everybody. And it's like the way – it was a tension for me personally because A, Michigan, B, under the lights for the first time, C, the way that they had blown the game against Central For or South Florida the, the week before, right? That was a total disaster. Up 24-7, things start to unravel. And I'm now starting to unravel with, at this party of strangers, okay, and my wife, I mean, we weren't married at the time. We were just dating for like a year. And I'm I'm making a complete scene, screaming, yelling at the TV. And then after they completely blow it, I'm sitting in a corner, not talking to anyone, like a complete sourpuss. And I, she's looking at me like, get up, like you stop, like stop. And I'm like, I can't, I'm done. Like, I can't, I can't. I, I won't. I won't. I, I'm. This is this is too important. What just happened? And so, that's the one that is um, really not good. I was a brutal one. Uh, I mean, I mean, I since, uh, I mean, I've been doing this job for a while now. So, I mean, I don't. Right. I don't. I, I don't want to say that I'm not a fan of Notre Dame football anymore because I, I still am. Uh, you know, that part doesn't go away completely. But you know, obviously, prior to doing this. Uh, I, I was like a really, like a fan who got really invested yeah. into, uh, into, into games and results of games where like, if they lost, I mean, my night was ruined or my, maybe my next few days were ruined, whatever. Uh, and, uh, I have similar s story with my wife, uh, who was then my girlfriend just when we started dating. Uh, it, uh, for the Bush push game. Mm. And uh, that was, uh, it was a rough one. It was a rough one. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess I knew that she was in for the long haul after how I acted after that game. So uh, yeah. So you know, it all worked out. Yeah. And so those are the things that you, you go through and, and, and I think you need to go through as a couple, frankly, so that, you know, Right. Like they, they're going to be there because th these are our worst moments, <laughs> yeah. you know, getting all butthurt about, um, you know, a game involving college students. Uh, it's but hey, you know, look, it, th these things, it ma if it matters, it matters. And I don't think anyone should apologize for that. If you care about it, you care about it. And that's the way it is. So, um, all right. I just wanted to lead off with that. I told some people yeah. I would tell that I, story. I will say Nick, Nick Gruel here mentioned the 2019 Michigan game. And obviously I wasn't um like a fan uh there I, I but i was there uh covering that game uh so i was i was at the big house that night in the press box and it was that the rain was it was bad it was like ugly that yeah. whole time so and it was just it, if you want to talk about bad vibes that was just the worst vibes ever um you know and Matt obviously was at that uh, 2017 Miami game that Pops yeah. McGee brought up. 
uh, and that, the vibes were, it was like different vibes for that. Cause it was like almost like scary vibes. Cause there was like yeah. some like weird violence and stuff from their fans, <laughs> like before the game. Uh, but, uh, that, that Michigan game was just like, it was, it was just like a ball rolling down the hill and yeah. everything, uh, I, went wrong. Yeah. I think, um, I, I, I'm trying to remember, but I'm pretty sure that that game is the last time that I had to go outside. Like I can't, I, I can't because my parents were over walk the dogs and everyone kind of was kind of yeah. open. Well, it was cause we have a, a TV in the garage. So it's like, I'll go watch in the garage away from everyone. I can't, I can't do this because it, it, right after Jonathan Jones did the thing with the punt, he tried to jump yes. on it. And it's one of those, like, that, you, was, obviously, that was pretty much the turning point. In the as game. a football player, like everyone kind of knows like, Oh, ball blocked. And, and people think like, Oh, since it's blocked, it's kind of, it's a good play for us. So we can kind of do whatever. If the ball goes beyond line of scrimmage, it's a punt. It's all it is, is a punt. It's a tip punt. It, you have to treat it the same kind of way. And you can tell, like, he's going Peter, after Peter, it. Peter, Peter, get away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like fire, 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 whatever the word is. Like, get away. And and I'm, you're watching him, and you're thinking, please don't. Please don't. And as he's doing it. And it's like, oh, my God. And so that's no good. All right. So that's a good kickoff to the Vibe Show right there. Talking about um, talking about our worst, the worst uh, memories of Notre Dame losing games. But all right. So let's, let's, let's start with the recruiting part of it. Okay. <laughs> Um, and, and I think I, I kind of started on this kind of thought process yesterday for, this is what we're going to talk about with the show. Uh, Owen, what Owen Wafel or Waffle, uh, decommits from the class. And, and so it, it it's kind of like, okay, Notre Dame felt like there's a better player that they want at the position, right? It, parted ways is the way that, you know, it's kind of being framed there. And, and everyone's kind of thinking, okay, they're going to move on to this uh, Sean Siviano guy, uh, def- interior defensive lineman from from Florida, and he's a 6'2", 300 pounds, right? So you you understand that part of it, right? Like the size, you want that size. Like they were after T.J. Lindsay, they were after um, they're after Justin Scott, and they're both kind of that that uh, body type. T.J. Lindsay looks like he's trending away, so you, you want to replace that kind of body type, right? And so you think, okay, if we can land, we want to land Siviano, we want to land Justin Scott. Do we need three on, on that, on that, uh, with that body type playing that position, playing the one? And they decided no. And so they want to go after those two guys. And so Owen Waffle, Waffle Waffle is um, not in the class anymore. First of all, what is your what is your take on that? Just uh, to, what, the two players. Who, how do you evaluate those two players? Do you feel like this was just a, a – do you feel like that is a – do you understand what Notre Dame is doing there? Uh, I get it because – well, one, I'm not 100% sure it wasn't kind of like a a mutual, so like a, an actual parting of the ways rather than – So, so the, the idea is Wafel might have been – his eye might have been – I think that might have happened, and then Notre Dame was like, "Okay, then we're we're then we can just move on." Yeah, and uh, so I, I that I'm not like I don't know for sure. Uh, so, but I I think that could have been. I I think that could have been, 
um, based on how quickly the the Michigan visit came about and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah, definitely got vibes from that. Uh, and I also think that so and, and just to add on to that is that I think he's a good player and a good prospect. Uh, but he's not the kind of guy that you're like, oh, he's going to go take a bunch of unofficials. Like there's a difference between when Peyton Bowen were like, okay, yeah, we're going to stick in it with Peyton Bowen and just kind of go with this. Where like last year's, I would say with like Jaden Lamar, they should have just been like, okay, we're done. Like he's not, he wasn't that good. Yeah. They could, they should have done that with Lamar last year and just said like, okay, well, if you're going to do that, we're just going to move on. Mm. And, uh, that's, that's the case. That's the case. Uh, so I think that, uh, you know, he's kind of waff, uh, waffle or wafle. Sorry, I, I don't know how to correctly pronounce his name either. Uh, let's just say it's wafle for now. Uh, if if that was the case, then yeah, that totally makes sense. I will say that, I mean, he's he's definitely a better, he's a better player now than uh, Seviano. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's smaller. So he has to put on weight, but he has put on some weight and he's got a big frame. Like I, I don't doubt that he's going to be able to put on that weight. I I like him as a prospect. Like I would call him like, I think like Harrison Phillips was kind of my comp mm. for who he could be. So, and that's basically like a rich man's uh, Kurt Heinish. Yeah. Right. So that's a good player. That's a good player. You would would want him. In saying that, could they get somebody better? Yeah, they could. Could Seviano be better? He could be. Uh, the thing with Seviano to me, and I was talking a lot with this yesterday with Matt Freeman, uh, and there's a lot to like about him in terms of he moves incredibly well for a guy who's 300 pounds. That's true. I think he's, um, and I think he's actually around like 320 right mm. now. Like he's so that's another thing. He's Bit. but it's a sloppy 320 he is going to be a guy I, my question for him and you see how he plays and there's a lot of like really good and then there's also some plays where it's like he kind of takes some plays off technique wise right. and um they let him do some stuff in their defense that like is totally not translatable to how any way he could play at Notre Dame or any school like he will get destroyed if that's if he plays like that so um but you can get away with it in high school you know what um, what can you tell me about where he plays because I was some of the clips in there like he's that's someone's child you know what I mean like yeah. they, they did not they, like the, the, there's some little guys that he's going up against I, okay my understanding is that that Clearwater Academy kind of plays like uh like a wide range of, yeah. of school so that's yeah. why you can okay. see like some of the stuff uh um you know some of the teams that they play it's like you know you got some guards where it's like this guy's a 200 pound guard and they're <laughs> like oh this guy looks like the same size as him like yeah yeah th- that's why there's that that gap it's okay. like it's just a wide right so that that stands out so that's also too why you see like I think he had like his numbers. He's got like 50 tackles or, or 40 tackles for loss or something ridiculous. Right. And you're like, okay, that's just like insane. But some of that is because of the comp that they play. Right. 
But yeah, yeah he should be dominating that. And, and I think for the most part, he does. And he also plays offensive line. So he plays like a ton of snaps too. So I think, you know, that's that's another thing when you have to look at it. If a guy's playing like both ways and he's playing like all the time, like, yeah, guys are going to take plays off. That's part of it, right? Uh, but in saying that, he he's going to take some time. I think his ceiling, I think his ceiling is higher than Wafels. Yeah. That's what I would say. His his ceiling is higher. Um he is definitely more of a sure thing like this guy's going to be a nose. But he doesn't play like a nose right now. You know what I mean? Like he's he's there's a lot of stuff leverage-wise even though it's like people think, "Oh, he's 6'2", so you know, he's going to play." No, he doesn't always play with good leverage. Um his hands are you know, he's pretty, very raw with his hands. He's obviously, he's, he's a Canadian guy. He's from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Um, uh, you know, they, it, it's not the level of football there. I mean, the level of coaching specifically, he wouldn't have got great coaching. Right. Um, you know, the odds, odds are he might've like fluked out of like, he, you know, had like some CF, CFL guy that coached him or something like that. But I mean, from the looks of it, it doesn't look like he did. So, and to me, it doesn't look like he's getting the best coaching uh, at his high school, you know? And I, I, I don't like to say this kind of stuff because it's like, it feels like I'm taking shots, but I mean, I just try to tell it like I see it, right? Like he's- I mean, uh, there, I think there's a difference. And I, th- and, I, and I think you know this too. There's a difference in high school between getting good coaching and getting the type of coaching that it's like- this is setting you up to be a division one prospect. You know what I mean? Like yes. I see that there's so much of that, like, and, 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 and this is like totally like super lower level. Right. But like, so my daughter's team, she plays club soccer. Like when she was in ASO, which is basically just the youth, the youth program that every city has. Like when she was in that, like she had some good coaches, like good coaches that we were very happy with. And she goes to club and then it, it's completely different, you know? So, and I think, so there are some high school programs that are like, you're getting good coaching from these guys, right? They're not like doing you dirty. Like they're not, it's not like they're not doing a good job. And then I was like, you're getting good, solid coaching. There's other programs where it's like, Hey, these guys are on another level. Like they could be working somewhere at a college, right? Like they could be at that level, but they just happen to be in high school. I think that's probably what you're talking about. And when we talk about like coaching, just like, Oh, he's not getting the coaching. It's like, Notre Dame, we're preparing you to play at Notre Dame type level coaching. That yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, like that kind of thing. And it's not even to say, like, I mean, I have no idea. I mean, I don't personally, I don't care about like the guys, the, these records of these teams and stuff like that. I'm not really looking at yeah. that. I mean, it's a bonus if a guy plays for like a state champion or something like that. You right. know, it comes from winning culture. That's always a good thing. But I mean, I'm not watching a, a film of a guy and being like, you know, worried about the score of the game right i'm not worrying about that that kid um i did see that he was in his uh in his highlights he was he was standing up from like a nose guard position yes and i know you hate that i I I loved it (laughs) well and then it's like so that's where it comes back to coaching too i'm like you're you're either coaching this which is you're terrible get out of here forever don't ever coach defensive line get like leave forever get that's the door or uh, you're allowing it to happen, which yeah. is just as bad. So, uh, yeah. So I guess I am taking shots at their coaches. Like, that's not good. That's not good. That's not helping. 
that's not helping him. And I, I frankly, that doesn't really even help your team that much. Yeah. Because when it comes down to it, when you play the best competition, you can't get away with that. Right. So if you, if you, it, like cheating it against someone who's worse, that's does that doesn't help, right? Yeah. So watch him. He's a big man. He's got great feet. Uh, uh, we're talking about Sean Seviano, who's a, a, a defensive tackle, a guy who uh, Norton has an offer. He's going to take a, a official visit. Uh, and that's the guy that people think that like is going to replace uh, Wayful in the class. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about, Rick Henry. Um, so uh, I, I do think that he has a chance to be really good. Like he's he's got like disruptive qualities about him in terms of like, just when you see a big guy who can run like that, um, that's unique, right? That's unique. That's why he has a Notre Dame offer, Ohio State offer. Uh, I'm, he's got some big time offers. He's got uh, like, if you care about offer lists, then, uh, you know, and we know some of the people who are calling right. your due, then you'd be like, okay, I don't care what his ranking is, right? Because of that. But the reason he's kind of ranked where he's at as a kind of like a high three-star kid um, is because he's not a guy who's going to be able to step in to wherever he is right away. Uh, and it, that can also change because there's a senior year. I don't know what he's going to do this this summer in terms of like losing weight and putting on the right weight, whatever. So you got to kind of see that. But like uh, if he comes in at to Notre Dame or someplace like this now, it's going to take him time to like, he'll have to like lose 30 pounds of fat basically. And like put on another like 20 pounds of muscle. Like that's kind of like where uh, he's at really. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I, I, and I think, and of course, if you're Notre Dame and you just look at a guy like Jason Anya, right. I mean, raw as can be when he, came to Notre Dame didn't have play a senior year of high school football in mm. Rhode Island nonetheless too where it's like Rhode Island football I would say just by from watching kids from Rhode Island that Notre Dame has recruited over the years to me that is like it is pretty much on par with like you would say like kids from Canada like in 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 general like it's not a high level uh overall and you're not going to see too many D1 kids that you're going against right. um and so I don't know, but like, I mean, then the coaching, it just depends on the, the, you know, where you're at. Right. Uh, but obviously with Anya, you could see there was tools there. Like the guy's got like, he's super long. He's, he's got the frame. He's got all these things, but he was very raw in a lot of mm -hmm. ways. And so even last year, like you have to give so much credit. First of all, to him, he put in a ton of work, a ton of work to work hard and get better and to reshape his body and all this kind of stuff. And now he's got like, you know, whatever percent body fat way down. And he's like shredded. He's shredded. He's 290 and he's shredded. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you give credit to Matt Bayless and you got to give a ton of credit to Al Washington because he was super duper raw last spring. And it was like, you could say, like, oh, this guy plays hard, but he looks like he's far away, but he's got a shot. And now you're like, oh, he's going to be in the rotation. So... But in saying that, that's it's his third year and he's going to be in the rotation. And that's what I would kind of see for a guy like Seviano, unless he already makes like some big improvements before. So yeah. that's the way that I kind of look at it is you're like, okay, you're betting on maybe the long term, 
with with a guy like that uh where and then long term yeah he could be better than uh than Wafel for sure but if i'm a kid like Wafel is a kid that i would see probably having a better shot to be a rotation guy in like year two or something yeah. you know right so um and you're kind of weighing that it's just it, and it's a little bit like too like where there's some guys with like better raw tools than Clarence Lewis, but I mean, Clarence Lewis, Clarence Lewis could not even play this year. And that would have been a tremendous take for Notre Dame because he played a ton of football in yeah. a pretty, pretty like, you know, like an, at above average level. Right. I know people don't love him. Some people think he's trash because he get got beat a bunch of times and played too much uh, in that 20, uh, 21 season. That's not his fault. You know what I mean? Like that's just the situation. It's not his fault. He had to play as a true freshman, but the fact that he was ready to play as a true yeah. freshman above the other guys who were actually uh, higher ranked than him says a lot about like the kind of player he is. So it's like, what kind of, and I wrote about this in six thoughts uh, the other week where there's like a value. There's a value. There's a value in terms of what a guy's ceiling is. And there's a value in terms of, well, you only get so many years in the program. So when is this guy going to actually play? Yeah. Right. And so you got to kind of weigh that. And um, I don't know if you, if they think that like, Hey, we can get this guy to, to play and we love his, like he loves football. This guy just hasn't had the right exposure. He hasn't had the right coaching. Once he gets in here, this is whatever. Then, I mean, it could be a tremendous take and it could be like a, a great take, but to me, he's like a developmental guy. Um, and and so that's tough because it's just like you said, and we've kind of talked about it before. There's, it's harder now taking developmental guys because it's so easy just to leave, you know. And so like it, when you juxtapose it versus someone like Wayful, like you said, like if he can come in and play, you know, he's going to be playing in year two or year one or something like that. Yeah. Well, then it's like you can kind of count on him being in your program, you yeah. know. So that that obviously they have to weigh those things, right? And 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 it, and two, we are we are now assuming, right. And you alluded to it before, like we're assuming that Notre Dame, what, what provided the impetus for this. We don't know that. Right. Like did Notre Dame catch a wind of the fact that he was talking to Michigan? Like, did they know been, that yeah. he's kind of wavering around and maybe we're lu lukewarm now. And so maybe it's just better for everyone to move on. We don't know the specifics of that. And he didn't hint at anything like negative in his, in the post that he oh, put out either. So very positive about Notre right. Dame. So, so maybe, maybe it truly was like people were moving in different directions. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so we're framing it around. This was Notre Dame's choice. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Um, we're just kind of looking at both prospects here. Uh, Drunk Vigo put up a comment that Notre Dame is recruiting is trending downwards. Now that's sort of, it's, it's sort of true and it's sort of not. Right. So like if you look at, and Jamie put out in six thoughts today that I, I recommend everyone goes to read, go to irisportsdaily.com, go to six thoughts on a Thursday uh, that Jamie wrote free article. You can check it out. It's not premium or anything. Um, it's always really good, really in depth. You wrote about Notre Dame's blue chip ratio, right? And the first two years under Marcus Freeman, they've been at 79%, which is way higher. Than, I mean, Brian Kelly was at 55% and you said it was his last class, right? And that's not sustainable. And we're seeing that right now, frankly. It is not sustainable. Notre Dame is really not in that great of a situation as far as their roster, like a number of positions. Skill positions, too. So, like, wide receiver and safeties, numbers-wise, right? Like, they're not where you want to be by any stretch of the imagination. 
Okay. They got very fortunate with the fact that Ben Morrison happens to be like really good. Same thing with Jaden Mickey, right? So those two guys looks like they're going to be players. Looks like Christian Gray is going to be a player. So the last couple of classes have really helped them as far as cornerback, but safety wide receiver, like, you're, like these are key spots in, in on an, on any football roster in 2023, right? So they're low there. So you're sitting at 79%. That's really good. It, regardless of ranking, right? 79% is getting you higher and higher to where you want to be as far oh, as God, having great brute chip ratio. That's really good. This year they're at 11 of 16. Okay. Which is 69%. Now, obviously that's dipping. They're in on a bunch of guys now who, if you land them, you're getting right back up there to 79% where you've been. Right. So on that front, it's like, it's a wait and see. It's definitely a wait and see, but I, I, I do understand the sentiment that, the vibes are a little bit off there. Like there's, you're you're banking on you gotta land KVA, right? You kind of gotta land Elijah Rushing in terms yeah. of just the the targets you're after. Justin Scott, like if you don't land these guys, that's when you kind of get like I don't know, like now I don't know, you know. And that's are there going to be decommitments, right? And also like the other part too is like some guys, they could jump up in the rankings as well, right? We, we think that's going to happen for a couple of these. At least a few of them, yeah. At least a few, right? But like, are there going to be decommitments? Are there going to be people who leave the class? Are they going to add people? Like, so it's, it's not even June yet, right? So we do have to, um, we do have to keep that in mind, but it is a little bit murky. It is a little yeah. bit murky, Jamie. Um. Yeah, it is. And so I think that's kind of why. Um, and it's also, you know, it's it's year two and it's coming out of, uh, you know, the first year, which I mean, obviously for, for Marcus, Riemann, which there was a lot of positives, right? right. Uh, a, a lot of positives. But, you know, the the Marshall and the Stanford losses, you know, those uh, those linger mm -hmm. until this year when they go and if they don't lose those types of games, right? right? So that lingers until then. And then it's like, well, um, you're also like, okay, well, what's the offense going to be? Like, how good's the offense going to be? Right? Like, uh, you know, that kind of lingers. And, and I think people have high expectations, but they're like, how good is it going to be? Right. How, you know, um, there, there's just things there that, uh, and then the finish to the class wasn't, um, the, it wasn't, it didn't match the, the excitement of the beginning of the, of the previous class. Right. I mean, they lost Peyton Bowen. They lost Peyton Bowen. The and day. that, that absolutely. And that is just the kind of thing that changes. Well, and Brandon Hillman too. And Brandon right? Hillman. So it's like, if those two guys in a, people feel different about the class, even For though, sure. you know, they signed 19 kids that were, you know, four stars in the class out of 23, which is a, you know, it's a really good class. Right. But it, it's still not what, um, you know, it also turns, it like turns into people saying, which I think is ridiculous, but people saying, well, uh, I thought, uh, Marcus Freeman was going to improve the recruiting. Like, it's like, uh, yeah, he is actually, but that's people just only judge in the moment of, of what that is. And that's how the, it gets kind of caught up with, with all those things. And it's like, or even yesterday. So 
uh, Wayful decommits, you know, dr- parted ways, dropped, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And, but it's like a weird thing because it's like, okay, well, are they going to get Justin Scott? Like, that's how it turns into a thing, right? Or like, right. I'm not sure about Seviano. And like, okay, are they going to get Justin Scott? Well, I see all these crystal balls for uh, Justin Scott to go to Miami. So if they don't get Justin Scott, then people are going to go. <laughs> believe me, I mean, everyone who has read a Notre Dame message board will know that the first guy who will get brought up with, with them losing Justin Scott will be Owen, Owen Wafel, right? Right. That's, that's what's going to happen. Um, so that's kind of where they're at right now. Um, and it almost kind of, and because of that, it almost like takes away from the fact that they landed Logan Thomas yesterday, mm-hmm. who is a tremendous prospect, tremendous Viper prospect, chance to be a big time tackle. And if you just, anyone would swap out him one for one with Wayful in the class. Like you just say like, right. he's a guy, I mean, they're, he's higher ranked right now from composite ranking. He's got a higher ceiling. Um, there's just a lot to like about him, right? He's a, he's a guy who's on the rise. I think he's going, he's another guy who, who I imagine will continue to rise as a, as a recruit too. So uh, right now I think he's the third highest ranked guy in the class. Uh, which is might be for by composite rankings, right? Mm-hmm. So, but it's like people also see like, well, the good and the they because they're looking at the other part of it, right? So, and that's just where things are at for Notre Dame right now. So it's just kind of, and no one wants to wait and see in June, but that's kind of how it is. People have to just kind of wait and see how these official visits go if they land if they let's just say they land half of these really the top top guys um i i mean to me that's like obviously a win right that mm-hmm. that's that that's a win uh, a win but if you don't but it's like there'll be people who perceive it as a loss you know what i mean if like elijah rushing isn't in there or justin scott isn't in there um and that's just kind of where they're at right now right so um the vibes will be immaculate if they land Elijah rushing, you know, yeah. uh, that's, that's the way to kind of think about it. So um, those are the kind of things. Uh, and if they landed him and Justin Scott and whatever, I've, you know, I don't need to rehash that. I'm not as high in Justin Scott as everybody else, but just in terms of like industry, it would be seen as like this the, huge the, the buzz. Yeah, the buzz yeah. would just be enormous, right? You'd land two five-star defensive linemen. I mean, that yes. would be that would be a big that's kind of Aaron earthquake. Lynch and Stefan to it. Yeah, right. That's that kind of thing. And um that's where you know that that's the where all of a sudden believe me, there will be like all of a sudden uh um you know Dan Wetzel will write like a a uh column about how marcus freeman is killing it in recruiting like a national you you know he's yahoo national columnist great does a great job and uh covering college football and like he would write something about that if they did it's kind of like how they were like writing stories about that last year when it looked like notre dame was going to land dante Moore, right like that's kind of um so things can flip really quickly and right now it's kind of like i would say it's like 
vibes in general for the program, it's like purgatory. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. right there. It's like you got to kind of see and let it play out. And then also, too, like you just don't know, um, you know, Irish invasions coming up, camp seasons coming up right now. So at this time, right last year, they, no one knew that CJ Carr was going to commit to Notre Dame at this time. They thought, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, Notre Dame's doing OK. No one knew he was going to. And then no one knew that, like, oh, and then Cam Williams was going to commit. And then Jack Lars is going to commit. And then eventually Anais Williams is going to like. But that's kind of where, like, things kind of trended from then, right? Yeah. So uh, you just kind of have to wait and see how it, it's it's all going to play out because, yeah, if if uh, if Deuce Knight like ends up like coming to campus and then he commits to Notre Dame before the end of summer, like people people. Oh, you went uh, you went um, muted for a second there, Jamie. Uh, MNBRG or MN, MNBRPG seven been listening since the breakdown of Oklahoma State. Great to see the show grow. Never miss an episode. Best coverage of Notre Dame football anywhere. Hey man. I appreciate that. Or woman. We appreciate that comment very much. Uh, that's a very nice thing to say. And the Oklahoma State breakdown, that was that is like way in the in the early parts of this show, man. Good for you. That's that's been a long time. Thank you for always supporting us. Um so so here's here's the thing, and I think that it's hard. Like so when we talk about like Isaiah um Elijah Rushing and and Justin Scott and KVA and guys like that, like the problem that I think that that I just have personally is I don't want to say the problem, the concern that I have and Marcus Freeman talked and you kind of put this in your, in your uh, six thoughts on a Thursday, like Marcus Freeman was talking about, I'm going to um, outwork everybody and a recruiting trail and I'm going to outwork you. And that's what it is. That's what it's about. I'm going to acquire talent and I'm going to, that's how we're going to build out the roster basically is we're going to do those things. Jamie's gone for a second. He'll come back uh, in just one second. But Marcus Freeman talks about building out the roster, and he's going to outwork them, right? And that was a perfect plan. Like, I I felt like in 2020, that's great, right? You're going to fill out the roster with – and you're going to outwork everyone, and you're going to bring in all this high-end talent and all those other things, and and you're going to bring on those guys. But then – and we kind of saw that playing out last year with Dante Moore and Keon Keeley and Peyton Bowen, right? Marcus Freeman convinced them that Notre Dame was the best option and ended up landing them for reasons that are like not even within his control. You know, it's, it's, it's NIL stuff and it's stuff like where people are making deals, you know, and, and Notre Dame is never going to win that. They are never going to be the highest bidder. They can improve. And they will improve their NIL operation, but they won't be the highest bidder for these guys. So I think I and fans, they look at like, okay, Justin Scott, he's looking at Miami. We know what Miami's about in terms of their NIL operation, right? We don't, we, I haven't heard anything like that with Elijah rushing, but look, he's a, he's a five-star defensive end, Jamie. When push comes to shove in October and November, and teams see what they've got and what, what they need to do, they're going to be coming after him. It happened last year, right? It happened with a bunch of guys, not, not even Notre Dame recruits, just all over the landscape of college football. And so I think people are, are, are 
rightly nervous, even if Justin's like if Justin Scott commits tomorrow, what do what percentage chance do you think? Okay, he's a hundred. He's going to end up in the class come December if he commits tomorrow. What is it then? What do you think? I'd say probably like eighty percent. Eighty percent. So it's like even then, it's like I don't, I don't know. Like it would he, would he, what, what, would it, would it change, right? Like would it change at the last second? And that's the concern that people have, right? I think. Well, actually, it's probably unfair to say that to him because I think whatever everyone. Wants it, I, I'm, I'm not even considering kids, him. Yeah. We, but we know yeah. that offers are going to come in. We know that it's, it's not, it has well, nothing to do with okay. Justin Scott. This the is, this, this is why though I see it. Justin Scott and Elijah rushing and those players right now who have not decided yet differently because um, I mean, it wasn't like there weren't bag men before, or there mm-hmm. wasn't like, um, you know, NIL wasn't a thing like a, the previous class a and M. I mean, they, they spent a lot of money on yeah. that previous class. Right. Um, so it wasn't like that didn't exist, but it was like last year, it was like, it kind of took it to a different level, yeah. right? Or that was where all of a sudden, um, you know, Tennessee bought a quarterback. Uh, Miami had John Ruiz and, and that was when he really started uh, coming in, right? So it's, it, things changed and then Oregon was like really like, the organization of NIL collectives and stuff like that, it was completely different. And uh, apologies to everyone too. Like, of course, my, my mic lasted 40 minutes this time, but then it uh, disconnected. So I uh, had to switch to AirPods. But so last year was, there was a lot of like new and also Keeley, like Keon Keeley and Payne Bowen were committed for a long time and it was like target on your back kind of thing of like yeah. these guys were going after and now all of these kids who are going to take a bunch of officials and whatever right like they're up they they have these plans rick rushing has officials planned um doesn't scott has uh officials planned they've been to a bunch of places whatever right um they've already heard pitches and I'm not saying that someone wouldn't come in over the top, try to late to try to get them, but it's like, they're not, they're not, they wouldn't commit to Notre Dame if, if it was just about the money and all that kind of stuff. If they, if they do make that commitment to right. Notre Dame, because they're already getting that, they're already right. getting those offers. So that's why it's a little bit different than which is why I don't think if, um, which is why it would have actually been a bad thing if Justin Scott would have committed in uh, whatever, March 1st or whatever that yeah. date that was he was supposed to. And then all of a sudden was like, ah, now I'm going to start taking these. Visits. Well, that would have been bad. Right. That would have been like, okay, I, I think people should count him out. Right. But because he hasn't gone through that now, it's like, if he does choose Notre Dame, then it's, I, I think he's, I mean, he's heard it from all these other places, right? I mean, rushing was, has heard it from Oregon and Oregon, like you're, you're going to get it. So maybe they lose out on them. And if, if they do, 
of course, people are going to cite NIL. And maybe those are uh, driving factors. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm not sure, but like maybe, maybe it is for them. Uh, but it, it's different than it was last year. And also it is different from a perspective where, um, I mean, NIL for Notre Dame will, I'm, it's more competitive is what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's more competitive to the point where like, if you're a top 200 player, you know, or a top 100 player, even top, yeah, like top 100, even. Well, then it's like, okay, because then it's like, you don't, you're not getting that like big upfront, you know, agents and all those other things. You're not getting that from like anywhere. Right. And so, but Notre Dame's, so then their NI operations, like, Hey, you're going to get some money. You're going to get some, right? Like everyone's getting some. Right. And so then that makes it like, okay, that's good. Um, but again, like, the Bowens, the Rushings, you know, these guys, like they're going to command, it's a different type of, like they're coming in at the end, right? Like, like um, Evan Olson says, seemed like at the end of last year, teams found money to sling around. I wonder if their market will cool down as the boosters relax. I think you guys made a good point on power hour about you can't keep hitting up these people for money every single year. Like at some point it's like in the, in the first couple of years, it's like, cool. I'm going to do that, right? I'm going to throw around millions of dollars here. But at some point, it's like, look, these are business people, right? There there's, does need to be a return on investment. You brought up with Nico. Yeah. Like, if he doesn't start the first two years, well, what are you going to do then? You're going you're gonna to keep paying him, right? Is that going to be a thing? I don't think they'll pay him. I right. So, so I, I, I think there, there, might be, uh, there might be a market correction completely that, that completely benefits Notre Dame in the model that they want to use for NIL. Yeah. Whereas, like, hey, like the first couple of years, every, like we're just hitting up whoever we can, throw us some money, and then we'll figure out our NI. Like maybe that was like, hey, I'll do this for a little bit, but you guys got to have like a real operation. And maybe Notre Dame's just spending their time not doing the other part, but getting the real operation going. And if that's the case, then okay, then then maybe this isn't a, a problem in the next couple of years, right? Yeah. But well, I'm just talking about this cycle. I feel like we're not there yet, right? Yeah. And so that's where the that's where the the uncertainty comes from, right? What's coming um, down the pike in October and November? Well, okay. This is the other thing is that um, there's obviously some schools that are really investing in transfers. Yes. Um, like so, and, so I, and, and I, Tony Ventitelli yeah. uh, brought this up just now. So Notre Dame will self correct. Okay. Portal is a bigger problem for Indy. So why don't you go into your point, Jamie? It is in terms of like access to certain players, but that's always going to be Notre, Notre Dame just needs it to fix holes if they continue to recruit like they are now. Yeah. Because that's kind of where they're going to be at. Because if you sign like 75, if 75% of the players you sign are four and five star kids, your roster is going to be healthy. Like, and you know, and you retain the kids you know, for the most part, which Notre Dame, and that's another thing that I wrote about in six months, like there's 27, four or five stars that have left uh, Oklahoma in the last, you know, whatever from the, 
the classes that would be on campus right now. Well, Notre Dame has lost eight in the, like, I mean, eight, and eight might seem like, oh, God, this is the worst. Like, it's not even close to, to what's actually going on with some of these teams, right? Like, and so Notre Dame's roster this year is out of the 82 guys, it's like, uh, here, sorry, I'll grab the exact number. So, but it's, I believe it's 60, what do I have it at? Uh, it's like 60, 56 of the 82 scholarships, 68.3% of the guys were blue chip recruits. And that's not in counting like Sam Hartman, right? But mm -hmm. I'm just saying like, whatever, right? So that's, if you're doing that and you're still a main, kind of maintaining that level of the thing, and I think that number will go up, like it's obviously, it was 63% last year, right? So it's gonna be 68.3. Next year, it'll be over 70, whatever, right? right? And and so it's going to keep going up until it kind of levels out around probably around 75 is, is my guess, right? Um, and so if you're doing that and you're bu building and developing, like you don't have to hit up the transfer portal as much. You, you take four guys a year, four or five guys. You take specialists with Notre Dame. It's not, like that's what you kind of take. But – so, so for USC last year, right, and, and USC this year, really, right, they're, so whatever money was directed towards Caleb Williams, right, I mean, it was way more than worth it, right, it was way more than worth it for them, yeah. and even for Jordan Addison, even though he didn't have, like, this monster year, I mean, he was one of the best receivers in the Pac-12, he was a first-round pick, he definitely made the team much better, it was worth it. Right? right. He didn't win the Bolitnikov, but he was worth it. Right. Um, well, I mean, Bear Alexander is like they backed up a Brinks truck for him. What if Bear Alexander sucks? He might. Yeah. He might actually suck. Right. Because, like, I mean, I, re I read these quotes where he's like, everybody wants the bear. He's like third personing it already. I'm like, this dude is a play. <laughs> like, I mean, he could start at Georgia. So it doesn't mean because he could start at Georgia that he's not going to start at USC, but it's like there's no guarantee this guy's going to be a first round defensive lineman, right? Like there's he's got to prove a lot. There's no guarantee that Anthony Lucas is. And obviously you're spending to try to get that, but it's like at some point, if enough of these guys don't turn out, they're going to be like, why are we spending this freaking money? Like that is going to happen to some schools. Like it's like with Mel Tucker, they paid the money for that huge extension. Yeah, they did the whole thing, and they had the one year where they were like, "Oh man, they hit on Kenneth Walker, and they hit on a bunch of the other trampers, and then boom, they're like, they beat Michigan. They're doing all these things. They look like, man, they're just like this program on the rise. And then last year they sucked. This year they got the starting quarterback and the top receiver in the portal in the spring, right? Like, I have no idea how they're going to be this year, but if they go like five and six, or I mean, or six and six. I mean, are people going to be really thrilled about where they're at? Like in terms of like, cause they're, you know, putting some money into it. Like they're going to look at the ROI, right? They're going to look at the ROI. Mm. So I, I think it's, uh, there's a lot of stuff that is going, it, it's going to, uh, I'm sorry, for, I forgot to mention it too, but it's going to get all evened out eventually because um, the smart programs, 
have like a cap of like where they're going to uh, get investment and spend and all that kind of stuff and like be like, okay, well, this is what we would have for NIL if we're, we're trying to get guys and also to the guys on the team because you got to keep the guys on the team happy mm-hmm. because if somebody's balling out and if somebody on USC, I mean, probably not based on their roster, but it's just, just say a random guy that they've recruited before ends up being a better player than Bear Alexander, he's going to be like, well, where's my money, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's going to happen, right? So that's something you have to deal with. And that's also too why, like, I don't think Notre Dame will ever want to get into that and will want to still recruit more because you don't want to get, you don't want to get too deep into that where all of a sudden it's like, you're paying for a guy. Like, just imagine if it say like this was the era in like back in 2013 and Max Redfield comes and it's like, well, he didn't really play as a freshman. He didn't play as a freshman. He was, you know, pretty inconsistent that whole time. And you're like, Max Redfield's like getting the most money out of the team or whatever. It's like, well, he wasn't Jalen Smith, you know, like that's, it's all that stuff is how is stuff you have to um, balance and have to work with. And um, I don't think that's, I, I mean, everything is short term right now. Everything is just like, we've got to get the best players and whatever. Yeah. And I don't know if all the teams are thinking, uh, you know, two steps forward, you know, with all this stuff, I think some, some teams are going to get burned bad. Yeah. And it's, it's hard now, like, especially at the end, like during the off season, I mean, this was a really weird off season in terms of just the news cycle, right? Like it was very strange. Like they got Hartman, you got Hartman and then you win the bowl game. And so then you think, okay, like everything's going great. You know, it's, it's a really good situation. And then, and then even into February, like everything was going well. And then Tommy Reese leaves, you know, and, and so, and then the, and then the coaching search the way, went the way that it went. Right. And then Harry Heastan leaves and then, it, you know, you, so then that happens. And then, you know, you get the transfers of Logan Diggs and Tyler Buckner and um, Lorenzo Styles, Right. And these are all like, Going into last year, like these are key players, right? Like it's the yeah. starting quarterback, the starting running back, the starting wideout. Like they are leaving. The guy that you thought were the future of your program. Right. And, the and now they're gone. The and we yeah. had, we, we, you know, there was different information, right? Like losing them now is is not, if, if it had been last year, it would have been a huge disaster. And now it's not, right? So, but it's just like, you feel like you're losing guys. Like Caleb Smith didn't work out, you know? And so you kind of look and the spring game was great in terms of like the guy you really need to look good is Sam Hartman. And he looked great. But beyond that, it just didn't, it, 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 after that happened, like you get a bunch of transfers out. And so that really hurts like the, the morale of things, you know, and, and there's been some, some good additions to the Notre Dame's recruiting class that we've talked about. It's not like, it's not like we're down on the players, right? Like every time they've added somebody, I think we've seen good things. You know, but when you look in the totality of everything, it just feels like Notre Dame's in a, I feel like Notre Dame's in a vulnerable position. And, and that's the concerning part, right? They're very vulnerable at quarterback for one. They're very vulnerable at wide receiver, right? And so it, it, it's just that, that it's, it, you feel like it's kind of teetering and it could teeter in the right direction where it's like you add all these other guys, 
things work out really well with like the the football team, right? Sam Hartman hits the wide receivers hit Uh, everything gets figured out on defense, right? Like Ben Morrison and the, the Antonio Carter works out with Xavier Watts and all those other things. The D line makes a big jump. Offensive line makes a big jump and you could see it going one way, but then you could also like, it's very easy to see it going the other way, you know? And that's, there's an uneasiness there. And that's why, like, I, like, I feel like, I wanted to have this show to talk about like the vibes are, are very strange. And, and so, but that's, I mean, that's kind of like, that's the way it goes sometimes. Right. And, and I will note like every, every off season where the the, 2012, right. Those vibes were super weird. Like that was a very strange time. Whereas they had just gone eight and five, 2011 was just an awful awful result that that was very that uh, that might be wor- brian kelly's worst coaching job uh, be ahead of 2016 that team had so much talent and for him to go through like th- for them to have the season that they did like that's that's really bad right and so those vibes were weird obviously the 2015 vibes were weird 2017 2018 like th- there was so much you didn't know you know 2020 yeah. it was like who's gonna who's gonna be wide receiver for notre dame in 2020 you know it just you just didn't know and so I feel like this is another off season where I don't know. There's just a lot unknown um, that doesn't always portend to poor results though. And often goes the other direction. It is. I mean, I think that's college football in general. <laughs> like I think like uh, there's so much stuff that's uh, a crapshoot. Um, like I, I that 2018 team, there was so much that said, like, coming back on defense that you were like, the defense is going to be good. Yeah. Like, the defense is going to be good. But then it was like, well, Clark Lee, the first-time coordinator. Like, there's a lot of people who are like, I hate this hire. Like, um, just because it was unknown, right? Um, I, I And I was pretty confident it was going to work out well. But, it, I mean, it still was unknown. And that – the Brandon Wimbush situation. It was like the guy basically had the yips and then it was like, he still had the yips. Like it was, and still he started the first game and they beat Michigan, you know, with it. And like they, even though they, and they barely won the next two games and managed to go three, and zero and then make a quarterback that doesn't happen very often. Like I mean, Dexter Williams was suspended. Was suspended. uh, You know, Boykin was the guy who was supposed to like take that next step. And then he didn't really do much and things, but then it was like, well, and then as soon as Ian book came on, he started to blow up. Right. And um, there's just so many different things and unknown, And that's why I love college football because mm-hmm. there's stars made every year. Um, and it can be anyone from, a guy who's been on campus to like, this guy has been here for three years and he's done nothing or, or he's maybe not, he's done nothing, but he's never shown a sign that he's going to be a star. Like Chase Claypool had some moments, but he definitely never had any signs prior to that year, 2019, where you were like, yeah, this guy's going to be one of the best uh, 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 receivers in college football this year. And he's, he's going to, you know, we know he's a freak show and he's going to play like a freak show. Right. Like that was not a a thing until like basically that spring. And then they were like, and even, you know, Brian Kelly was like, yeah, this guy's got like first round pick talent, whatever. But it was like, they never said that about him before. 
And it wasn't like he didn't have that talent. They just never said it because he never showed it consistently. Yeah. And you just don't know. So you just don't know. And I mean, and you can also point in the other direction where like, there was like four points in time where Dalen Hayes was supposed to be like the next great pass rusher at Notre Dame. And it didn't really happen. And he never, I mean, it never really truly happened, but he didn't really end up being the best version of himself until his last year. Right. Um, Because Julian O'Carr kind of like, you know, jumped him. Right. And uh, it's just a weird thing where you just kind of don't know. And health obviously has a lot to do with it. Um, And, you know, Diggs is is not there so that doesn't mean Estemi's gonna have this monster year or whatever and it's like well what about JD Price is the guy actually gonna be healthy can can a guy come back and be the same after I think there's just so many unknowns um which I'm like yeah, man, let's get to the season let's, let's play ball like I, yeah. I just, I just want to see it I'm excited I'm excited for fall camp this year very excited um you know, I'm excited for this official visit uh, season where they're going to have all this stuff. I, I personally, I don't know how you feel, Greg, but I like the summer officials and then kind of like seeing where after that, seeing where everybody stands yeah. Yeah. and then being able to reevaluate as you go into um, the season. And I think for the most part, a lot of programs are kind of like, you know, 75% done their classes, right? After yeah. the summer. So um, it's a good way to do it. I I mean, are they going to, are they going to ever flip? I mean, they flipped guys last year, but it wasn't quite the same. Uh, it, it wasn't this, what people kind of thought, but maybe this year they do flip somebody that's a yeah. lot bigger that we don't know about. And um, man, I, 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 so it's like, yeah, the vibes are weird. The vibes are weird. It's, it's like, you know, stuck in purgatory right now, um, but I'm I'm excited to see how it plays out. Yeah, the the summer officials is always a good time because there's a ton of information that comes out of it. Um, generally, there's just a lot of juice, right? And that's that's fun, right? It's fun to talk about. Like recruiting, talking recruiting can sometimes be a drag a little bit, just because there's there's an information vacuum that you're trying to fill, but in the summer, when the summer officials come, that's not the case. Like usually that's when like Matt and Matt and uh, Christian do such a great job of getting information. Like we have a lot to discuss. Things start happening. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good time. It's a good time. So you're going to yeah. want to tune in to uh, hit and hustle from irsportsdaily.com where we're going to be talking about all those things. Um, there, there's a good, uh, there's a good, I, I'm not going to touch on it too much just because everyone's kind of being chill in the chat, but there's a good conversation going on in there um, that I commend everybody for. Um, so yeah, so th- thank you everyone for tuning in. We're going to wrap it up uh, for today. We're going to be back next week, probably talking about more recruiting stuff, probably talking about more team stuff. Um, but we'll come up with maybe like a fun top five uh, for everyone to talk about. Uh, maybe we'll do another mailbag, Jamie. Maybe we could do that. Yeah. Uh, maybe we could you do. You know another... what? We could do a list. I like. I like the list thing. We, we like lists, mailbag, yeah. hot take Tuesday, something like that. So we'll we'll come with something like that. So thank you everyone for tuning in. If this is your first time, Michael Michael Woe, haven't seen you in the show before. Thank you for being here. Uh, if you like what you heard, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the subscribe button. We are on the precipice of six thousand subscribers. Please send us that way. Tell us your friends. Tell your uh, your spouses. Your children. Anyone who might like uh, this 
conversations like this. Uh, check us out on our podcast links. Links are in the description below. Have a good weekend, everyone, and we will talk to you next week.